Hi, everyone, and welcome to another Dynamic Leader Conversation. Um, so today, the topic is around leading through strategy, leading with change. Maybe it's the other way around, leading with strategy, leading through change. Uh, and I'm not here to talk about this on my own. I have a very special guest joining me today, Lana Johnson, who is the Director of Leadership and Change with Apricot Consulting. And they are all about changing leaders to change business, to change the world. Um, they are a global consulting firm that helps world's most ambitious leaders and change makers define and build a more sustainable and inclusive future, which is really appealing, I'm sure, to leaders at any level. Um, I'll also add that Lana is a very dear friend of mine and someone that I am deeply grateful to have in my life. Um, she lives within three, uh, with, sorry, within five kilometers of me. And I know this because when we were in lockdown and we weren't able to venture out past the five Ks, uh, Lana, I, Lana and I uh, discovered that we were really close to each other. And so we would run together um, through lockdown and COVID. And I can honestly say that she really saved my sanity and was so unbelievably reliable um, in the mornings when we would go out. Nothing really stopped us from running. We'd do it in the rain and the heat and even in between. Um, I think there was one day it was a little bit too windy and things started falling around beside, you know, around us and we decided to turn around and go, go home. But um Today we work out together in the gym, so it's a little bit safer and it's a little bit more prone to, it's a little bit better with the environment. So you'll hear us on the treadmill um, or the cross trainer at like 6am in the morning talking about our theories on leadership and things that we've learned and the challenges that we're dealing with and any other topic that seems relevant. Um, and so I'm sure a lot of people think we're a little bit crazy, but um, that today's conversation is really just an extension of what we talk about and what we were talking about only a couple of hours ago on the cross trainer. Uh, Lana, thank you so much for joining. Thank you so much, Shelley, for that intro. That is awesome. So good. And, uh, you know, the feeling is mutual. Absolutely. You were my sanity <laughs> during COVID, my coach, my, <laughs> you know, everything. It was so good. We're both in such different work circumstances at the time and yeah. being able to just bounce off somebody else with a fresh perspective and your wisdom is always well received from me. Just keep it coming, Shelley. It's gold. And, and so are your awesome coaching questions as well. I mean, it's yeah. been so thank you. I tell you, if if you don't have Alana in your life, like as a leader, you know, I talk about um, you know, create your tribe, you build your circle of people around you. And I honestly think that, you know, it's that's that stronger together kind of concept and that leadership is super complex and it seems to be just unfolding in different ways all the time. And I think there's, you know, I think you, you miss a lot of the opportunity that comes with that. If you're just in your own space, you're trying to conquer it all alone. You're spot on Shelly. I think it's funny how many leaders just are, they're going alone. I'm like, you can't do this. This is too big, too hard, too complex, or you're not being challenged enough. If you try to row your own boat in isolation, you've got to have uh, those peers around you. And I think that's the beauty of what we do is that opportunity to create those peer connections and learning because that's where the richness and the growth and the, um, and it takes vulnerability-based trust, right, to admit that we're learning together and we don't know and this is hard and it sucks, but also to likewise celebrate together as well. That's Absolutely. That's that, so it's just do, you, do you think that, um, do you think that, it's that the vulnerability, it's the, maybe part of it is I've moved into a leadership role 
and I don't really know what I'm doing and I don't, and I feel like I should know what I'm doing because it was given to me. And therefore there's these expectations that we put on ourselves and we carry it alone because maybe we're a little bit embarrassed. We, we've got, we put this pressure on ourselves that we've got to be more at, you know, in the early stages. Absolutely. And I, and I'm going to say even through careers. So, um, one of the great privileges we have in coaching, as you as you know, Shelley, is that that is where people are most open and they often take off a mask that they carry throughout their entire career. And so I'm, I make a point often, whether it's in coaching or leadership programs, to say, just want to let you know that one of the insights that I have as a coach and that Shelley has is that it doesn't matter where you are in, the, in your career, if you are putting yourself outside of your comfort zone, taking on new challenges you haven't taken on before, um, maybe with a different, a change of leader or new team, you're going to, your confidence will be challenged at times and that is 100% normal. Um, And I often share a story of, we do a lot of work in higher education, which I love. It's fascinating. It's a whole different uh, paradigm than what the corporate world is, which we also work with and I love it. and in one of my roles, I was coaching a provost at the end of their career. I've coached VCs who are, you know, finishing up their terms and all those things. And each of them, in and even CEOs who've been CEOs for many years, reveal where they're not confident and they show their vulnerability in that. And it's such important. And people around them would think they're so confident. They've been doing this for years. They've got so much experience and credibility. They're so well loved and liked and respected. Yet still, even with all of that experience and the, the years and years of um, their own studies and their own growth, they're still questioning themselves at time when they're faced with a novel or challenging situation. So I think it's really important for leaders to know whatever you're navigating, if you're feeling like you're not sure if you're up for it, then don't close in, op- actually open up and, mm-hmm. and draw a safe network of people who can support you because that's how, that's how we get through it, right? That's how we grow. I think it's really good framing to talk about the topic today, which is around strategy and change or change and strategy, um, which comes first or what's the priority um, because there's so much ambiguity around that. And I think we, I think there's an element of vulnerability that is required to go. We're navigating something we don't know. Um, How do we do this? Um, I'd love your thoughts on just from just focusing on change itself and and coming back to the if we're not vulnerable and open, how often change goes ahead when we if we were open and vulnerable, we'd go. I actually don't think this is a good idea. <laughs> I think we made the wrong decision. It happens all the time, and um, part of our role is to actually try to find that. Like, where is there? Where is the uncertainty? Where are people not in agreement? Where are their concerns and questions that haven't been put on the table? So, I feel like sometimes we're miners, we mine for the dissent that is in the room around change, or in the organisation, or in the team, or even in the individual. Because unless we actually invite that onto the table and we draw it out, it never gets resolved. And so then the commitment for change and the ability for change to actually achieve the benefits you want it to is diminished. 
It's always finished. So, um, you know, if you think about it, if you're in a leader role, and I'm going to talk from my own experience here because I've done this even after years of change management, right? I was in an executive role and I really, I could see why we really needed to do something. I really wanted to bring in, um, it was an engineering manufacturing business and they hadn't invested in lean manufacturing uh, capability in the staff. And so I was really dead set about we've got to bring this capability and I managed to find funding for it, which was phenomenal. And um, as I wanted to I was pushing ahead with the change right I had some people on board but I didn't actually allow the dissent and the concerns and the issues to come on the table and so when we got to the point of actually starting to roll out the training and model it in our executive approach you know um, people weren't showing up my my direct reports in one case weren't showing up and I went oh my god what have I done I've pushed ahead with the change I haven't actually drawn out the dissent so there I was, even in myself, because I was so driven. I was so I, I could see the potential and the value it would bring to the individuals in the organisation. I didn't allow the space for it, and so the change started to stall. And I had to actually stop and go right. Let's actually allow those questions and concerns to come on the table now, because if we don't resolve them, we won't get the outcomes. We won't get mm. the sponsorship at every level that we need. It's really interesting um, that, you know, it was the drive and the the passion, the opportunity that you saw in that, that actually prevented, but what other things prevent us from actually um, slowing down enough to, to really talk through the dissent and, and bring those um, concerns or challenges to the surface? So good question. I think um, at an individual level, it can be the, the desire to avoid conflict. And I say the word conflict, which sounds like an argument or a personal debate, but actually I mean debate uh, and I mean the ability for us to um, debate around an idea and do it in a way that the relationship is maintained. I think there's a lot of discomfort and there's difficulty. Like it's not an easy thing to do, right? How do I get comfortable with getting people to argue in the room without the team, the, the niceness that might be there or the, the relationships falling apart. And I think that's a real art and I love working in that space because I do think it's an art and it's a delicate one, words and tones and everything can change the dynamics. I think that's on one level is that can be uncomfortable. I'd rather avoid that. Um, I think on a team level, it can be that just just so much that the team's trying to achieve. And if they're not really clear on their priorities that they need to spend time on together, um, we just try to push things through. And I do hear that language in organisations. We're pushing the change out or we're pushing ahead. And I've been there, so I listen to it. I go, hold on, if we're pushing it, then nobody's pulling. How do we, what do we have to do to get people to pull the change? Mm -hmm. At an org level, there's so much that we're trying to achieve. Again, are we prioritising? Are we clear on what the most important things are that we need to achieve so that we're giving the attention and the time? And often there's deadlines. We've created a deadline. And so we're, we're working to the deadline and that becomes more important than getting a really good outcome and achieving the benefits and realising the return on investment we want to achieve from the change. Sometimes it's external disruption, Shelley, where there's a crisis, right? where there's competition that's come in or there's COVID that's hit and we've got to pivot. And so it's like action, go to directive mode and, you know, it can be an external disruption that's causing it too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think about the, um, you know, you mentioned um, is this is this aligned to what we want to be focusing on right now? And, you know, that kind of brings me around to, to strategy, which is uh, how often are we, are we, 
pushing ahead with change. And the reason we're pushing is because it's not thought through and it's this, um, it sounded good in the moment and we, we go, oh yeah, let's do that. And then we're like, oh, okay, well, how long? <laughs> let's put a timeline, let's put a deadline, let's make it happen um, that isn't really well thought through or um, n- not considered in respect to all the other stuff that's going on. So, you know, how, if we think about where you've realised that you were pushing when you're in that executive position and that no one was coming along is did it misalign with the strategy? Was it something like, how did, how did the challenge that you had fit with the strategy or not? Mm, yeah, that's a really good question. So um, whilst it aligned with the strategy and the direction of the organization, the capacity was definitely a challenge in the business. So what I think one of the problems I didn't let surface and I didn't work through is how will we address the capacity issue to create space for people to go through the learning and the changes because change takes time. We forget actually that actually if you're going to go through a change, we've got to free people up to work on the change and in the change and, and you've got to backfill it or you've got to take something out. You've got to make some uh, you know, strategic decisions about what's going to stop or push out or something. So I think that was um, that was that was definitely relevant there. I think in other organisations, um, sometimes that ability to do to stop and say what what are we going to do, um, and what are we not going to do, and what are we going to change? And people are really good at adding stuff in, adding, adding, adding. <laughs> and then what you start to see is this pattern of things not being completed or closed out or finished or achieving the benefits. And so often we'll see that either in strategy or change work is we've got people are burnt out from change and they've got change fatigue because there's been so much change that just hasn't landed or it's been on top of an already um, a workforce that already feels like they're over capacity. Mm. An issue. There's one question, Shelley, that I want to bring into this that you mentioned. So I brought you into that organization to help us as an executive team. And I loved, there was this one question, it was a couple actually, but this one stands out to me. And I come to it often around strategy and around change and around anything. What are we spending our time on? And it's that question of for what purpose? I love that question. We're doing this for what purpose? Yes. Like, oh my gosh. Why are we doing this? Are we yeah. really clear? And can everybody who needs to lead this change articulate in a way that is personal to them but aligns with the rest of the people leading it why we're doing this? Mm. What are we leading to here? Because if we are just doing, 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 but actually we don't know where it's going, then I don't know where we're going to end up, you know? I'm, I'm so glad that you you love that question. I and love it. it. Yeah. <laughs> question thank you it's a gift because one of the things we we're talking about earlier this morning was um you know the skill around um strategic thinking and whether you know it's this some people have it but a lot of people don't and um it's how do you learn how do you learn to think more strategically and for what purpose and for what purpose is not my question it's a, a meta model question that you know it's something i uncovered doing um nlp on neurolinguistic programming training um and for what purpose, asked again and again and again and again, can't help but take you up into the bigger picture. Um, and I think, you know, I, I suggest or I make, I recommend that people swap out why for what purpose because. I was thinking as you're saying it. 
It's different, why? isn't it? Why? Why would you swap out for what purpose? Like, what's what's just the reasoning for that? Um, because why could go either way. So why could go? It could go up if you're. And I I haven't. I have no data on this, but purely observational. If mm. someone is naturally a bigger picture thinker, and you ask them why, that they will be inclined to go up. But in contrast, if you ask someone who's more detailed thinking and likes to get down into the specifics, and you ask them why, they might go that way and so um you you don't know the other one is that why might open up opinion and um and excuses or you know validation as opposed to really addressing it so why is a bit of a it's a bit of a it's a scary question. <laughs> I think it's a scary question for people to ask. And, you know, when I'm working in that leadership space, it's like, save why for why are you here doing what you're doing? Like, I want to understand, like, why for you? Why do you get out of bed in the morning and come to work? Like, I love that why question. Um, but for what purpose actually is really specific to get them into, get people to think strategically. So you learn that question, you learn to ask yourself that over and over. That's how you learn to well, that's that's sort of the approach that I use. That's fantastic, and I think um you've you've really nailed that why question. It can it can elicit like a a, def, a defensive because it has a judging overtone of you know I'm questioning you, I'm questioning your opinion, but and you heard me correct myself when I said why do you do it? Well, for, you know what's your reason for that? Like I had to I had to swap it out, and I call myself up on it because it, you know it, has, it can feel like I'm get going to get my defenses up. Mm. Uh, so for what purpose I love it because it does it makes me actually think up and up yeah you know what where where is this all leading to like what for Um, yeah this is great and I think there's a you know as a organizations teams and individuals if we can bring that into our practice and our conversations really powerful because it allows us to look up we're so focused on delivery right what's in what's in front of us got to get this done that it it's hard it's hard to take the time individually as a team and organizationally even as industry to look up and out and go where are we going for what purpose and for those that do it really well it's really hard then to to connect back with the well what specifically does that look like because what specifically is then the opposite to for what purpose and that when you're so you know if leaders can use that as a tool to go for what purpose for what purpose for what purpose and we're doing this because this is a direction this is a vision of the organization or whatever and this is where we're going um for those that are in the detail they're not going to connect with this like big fluffy statement that's like this guy you know or, or my ceo has kind of lost the plot they've disconnected from so you want to be able to chunk it down and go well what specifically does that look like in terms of our strategy in terms of then our objectives in terms of our like monthly and daily commitments and and really pull it down to oh i get that and if you can address that and i'd be really curious um you're the one with the change background i'm not really curious about whether if you can be going up into big picture and down into detail as the conversations evolve or depending on who you're talking to, surely that's got to help with the change process and getting people on board because people will oh, yeah. connect at different levels, won't they? You're so spot on. So, you know, I'm thinking of a, a team we're working with at the moment uh, collectively, but also doing team coaching and individual coaching. And in one of the coaching conversations, you know, one of them is going, 
for what purpose? Like, where are we? Where are we heading? We need the bigger picture. We haven't got that. And you can see what they bring to the conversation that takes the thinking out and higher level and more strategic. And then others, you know, that's not it's not on their radar because they're so different and they come from different perspectives. Their focus on and their priority is deliver on time, great quality, get it, get the job done. And so, what what's beautiful about teams is if we can harness those differences in thinking and capability I'm excited actually we're actually you know we've new strategy work we've been coming out so I'm really excited to see how that plays out um, with that particular team and how we can leverage both the now and the delivery focus with that bigger picture and mm. that's, that's pretty exciting and uh, they work they work together complementary don't they yeah you, you need both. both right because if um if you're all looking out and where we're we going, then who's paying attention to what's going on now? Mm. Um, and if we're just focusing on now, who's actually checking that we're heading in the right direction for the right reasons, you know? Mm. <laughs> so I love that you can have that um, that diversity in your teams. And the, the challenge is, is how do we make sure that we're meeting those different needs and leveraging that? Because if we don't have good practices in one-on conversations in the way the teams are actually working together where they're putting their focus and their energy uh, and then at an organizational level we end up missing that opportunity to go where are we actually where are we heading like, where where do we want to be what are we creating and that's um that's that longer term thinking that we need to really keep our eyes on so we call it perform and transform shelly so as leaders, our challenge is we've got to keep performing and delivering and we've got to keep our teams and our organisations performing and delivering. At the same time, we need to be ambidextrous. We also need to be transforming and saying, what are we creating? What's the future we're creating? What's the business model we have? What are we putting out in the marketplace that's different and new in terms of our products and services? Mm. Where, are we, where, where are we going to be positioned in the industry longer term? And you have to take your blinkers off and look outside the organisation when you're making those decisions as well. Um, mm. So the ability to even look outside um, sometimes isn't with it. It's not a natural tendency in your team. So you've got to find ways to bring that in. Yeah, absolutely. It actually um, perform and transform. I love the terminology and I, I'm, I'm curious about that. I remember having a leader um, when I was working in the corporate space and he said he said to me, he said to the, the team a number of times, you can't run the business and change the business at the same time. And we all like sat and nodded like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, now I'm like, mm, too bad <laughs> if you can't because you have to. So how do you manage that? Because I'm, it was certainly my thinking. And even now I'm like, can you really, can you really perform and transform um, concurrently? How, how do you do that? Oh, I love this question. So I'm going to put my my old strategy manager hat on because I had to create this in an organisation once, right? Like how do we actually get our, you know, from our board to our executive to our managers to think out here while also, you know, keep delivering exceptionally well? Um, and I think one of the things that some organisations do really well and others, I think because we've just been managing through COVID, honestly, the last few years, we've almost got to come back to this and ask the question, how are we doing strategic thinking really well and who's involved in what way? But we want to get multiple levels of leaders. I don't believe this should sit with the board and executive only. One, because you've got incredible insight that can come from the next level level leaders, but also when you start leaders engaging around strategic thinking, it helps the change process because you're going to create change through your strategic planning and strategic um, work. 
Mm-hmm. So it helps them to unlock from the current state because they're thinking about that external context, what's going on, what's possible. Once you've got your strategic thinking right and you've done that sort of external internal review and you've thought creatively and outside of the box, then we're going to strategic planning. So if you've got good structures in place that allow people to do the thinking and then put it into plans together and start to build buy-in and commitment to that, then we've got to strategically execute really well. And it's almost like these three balls that you've got to keep going throughout the course of the year where we're constantly revisiting through our strategic thinking, what information we've got coming in, we're looking at our plans and making adjustments because disruption doesn't happen in five or plus years now. It happens, it can happen like this, right? Yeah. Uh, look at the way Uber created an app and before you know it, they, they've disrupted the taxi industry. It didn't take five plus years. Um, and so on. look at ChatGTP. It's been around for a long time. Some people have been using it for a long time, but now, uh, you know, the capability that's there and, and it's out there in, in organisations, it's disrupting how we how we work and what we can do. So if you can do strategic thinking, strategic plans to strategy execution well, and you can do that if you agree on how are we gonna do these three things in our organization and how do we keep the momentum on those and the practice around those um, at an individual team and organizational level, then I reckon you've got, a, you've got an advantage over many organizations who don't often put a lot of thought into how we do that, but then how do we actually engage the whole workforce around that? Mm can't just sit with disease you've got to engage everybody because it's actually about where are we steering this ship how are we going to get there what's the capability we need where do we need people to focus and what are the expectations we have at our team and individual level and are going to enable us to get there so thinking about a single leader do you do you think that or do they need to think plan execute does every leader need to learn that? Because that feels like it's a bit of a skill in itself. Um, I'm going to pause right there because one of my kids' iPads is going off in the background with some kind of alarm that's a motorbike sound. <laughs> I just turn it off. Otherwise, I don't know if you can hear it, but I can't. No, I can't. Go for it. One second. We'll give Lana a chance to consider, you know, the question um, as well around, you know, if I am a single person, if I'm if I'm one person, thinking, planning, executing, how do I? It, it's the it requires a different energy, a different focus, and I and even me today, I'm like, how do I do that? I do it. I do do it in my own business, but it's so messy. It's like the kid that is just learning to make the cake, and they put the flour in the blender without the lid on, and <laughs> kind of like that sometimes we try to do it in the margins Shelley and um we do it when we have to because it's critical now or there's an issue that's happened and I don't think we do it justice and we don't set ourselves up for success when we do that the best way I've seen it happen is where there is first an agreement about how we're going to create the time and the space and what are the inputs we need and um, who needs to be involved? Well, we actually decide how are we going to do strategy because we know through strategy that's where our best changes come from. We get clarity about the most important changes and that, that's such an important uh, thing to be able to do as an organisation and as leaders. We, we've got to create a framework and a system for doing that. Uh, and honestly, I think um, where I've seen it done best is actually someone who leads the organisation through that process. It's their role to do it. Even if it's not their whole role, it's mm-hmm. part of their role. So there's that responsibility of not them 
doing the work or deciding how it's done, but working with the organisation to facilitate the process. Mm. The answers don't sit with them, but the ownership of we've got to make sure we do this because it's important enough is there. Mm. Um, And ideally you create space um, for individuals to do their own thinking around it. Um, And honestly, I think the best space is in coaching. Mm, just over the course of the last week we've been doing business planning with the client and and it's really just us coaching them through the structure that they've created which is fantastic and you know the the leaders are like you know some of this stuff was in my head but I haven't written it down now I've got so much more clarity or I hadn't really thought about my risks but within you know a short amount of time they're able to articulate three really important risks that you know maybe they hadn't put attention on in the way that they could have or should have um, and then they get the opportunity to come together as a leadership team and say, let's actually test this with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's important. So the team level is now working through it, going, does this make sense? They're testing it back with their team's input. And then at the end of the process, not only have you got a team that has had a chance to use their brains, because they're incredible people, right? Individually incredible people. So putting them together, you know, amazing what they can achieve and articulate. But if you don't create that space, they haven't got the the ability to say, well, what do we want to achieve? Why? How does it connect back to our purpose? And then what are we going to need to be able to do this? Mm. Because sometimes we come up with our strategies, which is awesome. And then it's like, well, what, what's going to be required for us to succeed here? Do we have the right business model? Have we got the right structures? Do we have the right capability and capacity in our team? Do we have the right relationships outside of our organisation? Mm. And that, that does require and it deserves time. And to me, it's fun stuff. So why wouldn't you do this? <laughs> absolutely and I like that um because in my head I'm thinking you know think plan execute 33.3 percent with with it you know like divide it up but Mm. what I'm hearing you say is that for one person it might be you know think might be 60 percent and you know plan might be 20 and execute might be 20 that's interesting I have whatever right but it's the well, and I do wonder whether even just the idea of this the strategic side of the business, you know, tying that into objectives. So your your role, depending on, you know, if you're an operations leader, you might have um, you might have 70% on execute, Absolutely. but there has to be 20% on plan and there has to be 10% on think. And so then you're actually tying it into really specific deliverables. I love it. I had never thought of it like that, but I think that's that's spot on. That's really terrific. Yeah. And when you can when you can match that with coaching, you you then have some really great coaching questions that you go at the think level. These are some of the things that you want to be asking yourself at the plan, at the execute, um, and that if you're doing that regularly, I can see how then that would you could build a bit of a rhythm and a way of working that doesn't require you to be thirty three point three three on all of them all the time because that, that in itself is quite exhausting but to know I do need an element of that and none of them will none of them will ever be zero there you know and that's that recognition and appreciation that everybody kind of operates at a same level but to varying degrees I think that's brilliant I love it it's great mm-hmm. different roles at different times will require different things from you and mm-hmm. I think if you're in a role where you think gosh I really probably need to be better at strategic thinking or strategic planning or strategy execution like we're not going to have the perfect skills or blend of that capability, then it's a question of, well, well, how can I facilitate this with those that are around me, either in my team, et cetera, mm-hmm. that can be the, I just need to facilitate that process. I don't have to be the one that's got it all. I actually don't. 
So I think as leaders, we forget about that important role we have as, as being facilitators and leading a process, but not having to be the one that has all of that capability in us because that's impossible, right? Yeah, take the pressure off. Yeah, take the pressure off. Yeah, absolutely. So um, so thinking about um, now the practicality, the day-to-day, you know, it is um, almost midway through 2023 and we are seeing leaders um, burning out. So there are some that are, that are they've tapped out. Um, there are some that are really close to it and there are others um, that are in various stages. Um, and you know, there's some theories around this, around, is our strategy strong enough? Are we, you know, this idea of change and change fast is how do we stop? Because we can't, uh, the metaphor that I've been using with a few clients recently is you can't have the tap on and a, a full cup, you know, if your cup is full and the tap is on, um, there's something, something's got to give and what we're allowing that to to be in a lot of instances people's health and well-being which is it's not going to ever end well yeah so so how do we start to kind of shift what is happening right now in a lot of workplaces yeah you're you're spot on um and I see it every day almost every day Mm. and um I I think the first thing is for organizations is to actually pay attention to it because the time that they pay attention to it is when they've got a resignation on their desk. And by that point, you've already impacted the person in a way that's not responsible, it's not thoughtful, uh, and in my view, it's not ethical. Mm. So um, as an organisation, I'd say, how are you checking in to make sure you're not getting people to the point where they're either burning out or their wellbeing's impacted in some way, they're overwhelmed, um, and allowing those conversations to surface. Um, they come up in coaching, Shelley. We see it there. We sometimes see it in team sessions and the work we do. And um, we need to, as leaders, allow those conversations and have those regular check-ins first. I think that's really, really important. Um, I think there's a couple of things. One is, as leaders, we've also got a responsibility to take ownership of that and go, hold on, if this isn't working or if I'm not, being my best or I'm overwhelmed then something's got to change we've got to disrupt ourselves in that and that means us having a hard look at saying well what's my contribution to this what am I doing that's creating this situation and then what's happening around me that I need to ask for something different mm. and it's amazing how many times you know leaders just keep going and they're like so you're telling me that you're at the point that you're you know ready to walk out the door let's change something what do you need what needs to change here? What can you do? And what do you need to ask for? Um, mm-hmm. And so if we're not there coaching, then leaders need to create that space, peers need to create that space. But we've got to, we've got to be able to recognise it first. That's the first point to go, Am I, is this acceptable for me? Is this the life I want? Um, mm-hmm. And then it's about saying, you know, I, I love the question, what can I stop doing? What can I just, what can I just stop doing? And when asked enough and, you know, when we, we come to that question enough, there'll be things that we can either stop um, that just don't need to be done anymore because we, we just keep doing it because that's how we've always done it. Or we can change. It doesn't need to be done in the same way or to the same extent or by the same people um, so that we can first create space if we can. I think that's a great starting point. Mm. Sometimes you can start at the other end and go, well, what's the purpose? What's your purpose's a leader as a team as an organization what's most important for us 
And then when you get real commitment to that and energy around it, then you can say, well, if that's what we've got to do, what do we need to stop or change to create space for that or change our business model or change our resources? Mm-hmm. So what about leaders that feel like they don't have the ability to make those decisions and actually stop anything? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not saying that's the reality because I think anyone at any level can stop anything. It's just yeah. the, wow. That's going to feel that though, don't they, Shelley? They they feel yeah. like there's nothing I can. I've got to do it all. You know how we face that a lot, don't we? We've and then, and then I think we've we've we can't become a little bit fixated on. But it's my reputation. If if I haven't said that I'm not doing this, and of course no one ever wants to say it in those words. I'm not doing that because I've got all this other stuff. Or if I'm going to do that, then what is it that I'm going to stop? Yeah. Is uh, that they will say, "Well, that's my brand," and and people are, and I think it's relevant. I think it's, you know, today it's not about um, staying with organisations long term. It's about the reputation to, you know, security stability is not through longevity anymore. It's through it is a lot through reputation, mm. and so how do I navigate this? Well, I've got a reputation. I want this reputation as being that I'm reliable, I'm dependable, I operate with integrity, whatever it is. So I can't let anything fall over. And I don't want to have that conversation because that might reflect on my reputation. Well, that's that's so interesting, isn't it? Because um, I guess if you think about it, there's a couple of things that come to mind. My first one is what's your leadership shadow? What are you modelling by doing that and being the one that's got to deliver and hold on to everything and not prioritize and sacrifice the things outside of work and maybe even yourself and your well-being what's your leadership shadow that you're modeling through doing that um, I love that and take responsibility for it because people will look to you as a leader to say that's what I need to do to be successful around here and in some organizations when we're working on changing the experience for women in leadership it's really hard to attract women into leadership or people into leadership when they look up and they go, I don't want that. I mean, that's me giving my life to the organisation. I don't want that. And so your ability to actually create successes that want to step up into the role diminishes because that people, not everybody wants to sign up to that. It takes a certain personality that goes, oh, yeah, I definitely want that. Um, So that's the first first thing. and I think the second thing is if you're not having the conversations about what you can and can't do, then maybe look at why, like what's behind the reason that you're avoiding those conversations. Mm. Um, maybe it's about brand. Is it about avoiding a difficult conversation, one that's about putting the brutal truth on the table to say this is, this is the facts, this is the facts of what we can and can't do and mm. can't do this. Uh, we can't do that or the facts about if we have to do it all let's talk about when and how mm-hmm. because the current model is not going to be able to deliver it successfully and then our brand will be impacted because we'll either not hit the mark or something something won't land right or we'll make mistakes or we'll forget things and quality sometimes is sacrificed mm. I love I, I sort of think about this concept of in between because I think we are really good at um, taking the the binary the um, well, it's this or that oh, as yeah. opposed to, well, it's somewhere in between. And I, I think back to in my early days of leadership, I actually missed out on getting a role because I, because I didn't think I could say no. Um, oh, that's, that's interesting feedback, Shelley. Yeah. 
it was and fabulous. And I, so I was, so then I did start to say no, and I got in trouble for that as well. Um, <laughs> because it was really like, it was really kind of black and white thinking. It was, uh, well, you want me to say no, fine, I'll say no. I don't mind that. But There's an art to that, right? We do sessions just on how do you deliver a no? Because it's so tricky to maintain the relationship and have boundaries where you need to, right? And then I remember having another role and this was, um, this is actually, I'd been a leader for a long time and I'd taken on some extra responsibilities and I was doing this amazing piece of work with, um, a, you know, head of department who was really inspiring, but I remember walking into their office, um, at one stage and I said, I, I've got two other roles that I'm doing along with this one and the amount of change and work that you are throwing my way, I, I can't actually sustain it. Mm-hmm. And their response was, what are you saying? Are you saying you can't do it? Because if you're saying you can't do it, just say that and I'll find someone who can. Um, and then what happened? What was going on? I'm so curious about what was going on for you. And then I said, no, 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 that's okay. <laughs> I, it's okay. I'll do it. And I walked out of there and I looked for another role. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cause I thought, how do you, but this in between and the, the response isn't, the response wasn't about me actually in hindsight. And there was a way, there was ways that, so what I did is I went to them with a problem, not with a, this is my solution. And of course they had all this other stuff going on. So I was, I had to be really careful that it didn't connect the, um, you're not allowed to ask for boundaries. You're not allowed to ask for things to stop because you will get a no yeah. with the, you really have to think that through Shelley. <laughs> before you go in for the conversation and you know what is it that keeps getting you here because I would just get to the stage where it was just overload and and I just like the tap was on and I love to be able to turn the tap on but I didn't know how to switch it off and that took years of but that's what we're dealing with isn't it oh spot on and you know I wouldn't have integrity without saying I, I struggle this, with this personally you know you know that right this comes into our you know our gym sessions and our our conversations is, oh, my gosh, I've got so much on. What, what am I going to do? And I think one, you know, and I do get to that point regularly and I have to, I have to force myself to, to step back and go, am I accepting this or am I going to change something? And one of the things, even just this week, actually, you know, we've had this amazing piece of work. We really want to work with this client. It's going to be, you know, great work and, and really passionate about it. And um, the week that they want us to, to do the piece of work, I'm like, ooh, I've already got two full days of facilitation. I'm looking at my team. It's got lots on that week already. So we had to say, well, it's either a no, and that's okay too, we've got to find another week, or uh, how else could we do this? And so I come back to that myself. What? How else could we approach this? What else could we do? Could we come at this a different way? And just trying to open my thinking up and open the team's thinking up because then it allows me to explore other options that normally I would just be going, oh my God, I'm going to have to do this. It's going to be a hard week. Whereas, you know, I've got to challenge myself thanks to you talking to me about boundaries as to, do you have to like, maybe there's another way. Because if I end up and my team end up over committing, then we're not able to service everybody really well. And for us, you know, we, we every time we do something, we get, you know, we do an NPS rating and we're looking at that going how do we keep getting it better right that's really important to us that experience that we create and so how do we can we deliver this and maintain quality so we've come up with lots of different other ways we can do it which is awesome um 
However, as a leader, I have to practice this too and say, well, something has to change or how else do we come up with this? doesn't have to be this way. So that end, or, you know, the, rather than it being an or, that end is such a great question. Mm, and bringing other people in on that, um, you know, yes, what well. else, like what, what are my other options? Yes, absolutely, because someone will always, and, and I've got a few go-to people even internally that I go to and say, you know, uh, James, well, this is the situation. Here's what I think our options are, what else? And he'll always come up with something fresh. I'm like, ah, oh, awesome, thank you. I hadn't thought of it that way. <laughs> or you just like touched on my other favorite coaching question, which people who work with me will go, oh my God, yes, it's that, what else? It's like <laughs> the, the, the most commonly used question that I ask. Yeah. I love that. Oh. It's so good. It's so good. We're doing um, leader as coach this week, which was great. I love teaching that because it's a different, you know, going into coaching mode as a leader, it can be tricky and it can be really different because you've got expectations and agendas, right? And to ask people to come up with options and then explore what else with, while suspending your own thoughts. We talked about that actually as being one of the most challenging things to do is let go of what your expectations. If you're truly going to coach someone yeah. around exploring options and leave it with them and create the space. I love that. Lana, yeah. it has been such a pleasure talking to you um, outside of our gym sessions, um, but for everyone listening, this is just a little bit of a taste of some of the things we talk about. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for, thanks for joining us and sharing your insights. It's been fabulous. Thanks, Shelley. It's been my pleasure. It's been wonderful exploring these topics with you today. Thank you so much. And thank you, everybody, for listening. I look forward to another dynamic leader conversation with you all soon. Thanks.